Welcome to the 87th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and a man with his face intact behind his mask, Adrian Pinter. Adrian, how are you, my good friend? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, Simon Eady, of the of the Eady house? I'm doing okay. Oh, just okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Get up to anything fun? This week? No. I played a few video games. Nice. I stayed home. I feel like there's a trend. Every week I say the almost the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Don't know if you noticed. Yeah, I have actually. Mm. I have. Mm. Makes grip for uh, excellent conversation, I would argue. It does indeed, my friend. It does. Yes. Yeah. But uh, you know what doesn't make for excellent conversation? What doesn't make for... Yeah, uh, no. I had to say the opposite. It would make more sense if I said, you know what makes for good conversation? But yeah, I was confused. Because of the other thing we said. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make it segue properly, but it didn't work out. Anyways, Colin Farrell was uh, was told by Warner Brothers, Warner Bros, as you call them, that uh, he could not, as Oswald Cobblepot in the Batman movie, have a cigarette or a cigar unlit or lit. What? Because that's not okay, Adrian. That's not okay. What do you mean it's not okay, Simon? Cigarettes are cool, dude. Cigars are cool. Why can't he have it? Huh? What's the worst that'll happen? I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, that's the that's the question that he's asking. He's you know he's saying, quote, big studios make big decisions around such things as the presence of cig- cigarettes in films. At one stage, I said I can have the cigar unlit. Just let me have it unlit. They were like. No, as if a bunch of 12-year-olds are going to start smoking Cuban cigars. Mm. Yeah. That was his uh, two cents on that. I think that's a little ridiculous, but they also did a similar thing. I don't know if you noticed for the Cruella movie. I didn't see the Cruella movie, but that was a thing that uh, couldn't happen. Emma Stone's version of Cruella could not smoke the classic Cruella de Vil. Cigarettes. Uh, long cigarette with like the cigarette holder. Wow. Not possible. Why not? Because... Because it's Disney, and Disney doesn't like the idea of the, that kind of in imagery. And I, I guess I know Colin Farrell is being kind of exaggerative in this uh, interview here. He was on a podcast. Was it like Total Film or something like that? Mm. No, Jake's Takes. Jake's Takes video podcast. He's on Jake's Takes, but he's not on Split Focus? That's ridiculous. I know. How dare he yeah. spring for a podcast that gets more than 10 viewers a week? It's ridiculous. Absolutely. Uh, in New Zealand. New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Actually, not in New Zealand because we get about 10,000 viewers from New Zealand because oh, we're, we're the most popular podcast in New Zealand. Second most. Second most. Second most popular. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. I really appreciate no worries, it. man. That you corrected that I crazy, uh, wildly inaccurate thing I just said. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, bro. But uh, the point about this whole thing is that that to me is a little silly. I just don't understand. Same. People can't smoke cigarettes in these movies. Man. Didn't we just watch – wait, were there – were they smoking cigarettes in West Side Story? I don't remember. Maybe? I don't remember. But it would have made sense. And I feel like they were, but I just now I'm blanking on it. Hmm. I can't recall if they were or not. I don't think they were, man. I'm thinking about it. 
Hmm. Because cigarettes are cool. And I don't remember them being cool in the movie. You're not saying anything particularly profound. You just yeah. keep working on this bit of cigarettes are cool. They sure. are cool. They I'm seem not sure cool. What your angle is I here. like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, honestly, I do find that odd. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like that's such a backwards way of thinking that, like, oh, like if Penguin from the 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 the, the hit movie The Batman smokes cigarettes, kids are just going to start smoking smoking cigarettes it, it just it seems like a very just old school mentality i feel like we should have gone away from the whole kids just do what they see in movies and video game stuffs you know what i mean um so i find it a little bit uh like almost like a lack of understanding as to why they they want to go down this route because like i said cigarettes are cool you should have cobble pot smoking them you know what i mean man should have again them, yeah. mixed messaging don't understand what you're trying to say because you just keep playing the bit but regardless um penguin kills people he's a murderer yeah and cruella like skins dogs alive mm-hmm. so i don't know i think they've got their priorities wrong yes you're trying to because again i haven't watched the cruella movie i feel like i got to because we talked badly about the idea that we how can you make a good like a movie sympathizing with a character who's literally her whole sole purpose in life is to murder Dalmatian puppies mm-hmm. and make them into a coat. Yeah, it's an odd one. So smoking is not acceptable, but that is fine. Yeah. You, you can kill Dalmatian puppies. That's fine. Definitely. I feel like what they should do. And you can you can murder people and kill kill them in cold blood. Yeah. They're, they're supposed to be in this the Batman movie. They're supposed to be like kind of breaking to the edge, not mm-hmm. being rated R. It's, it's PG-13, but... The idea was that they were going to be kind of edging over t- towards R. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a close to R PG-13 movie. Yeah. So the Batman. I don't know. that The Batman edges is what you're telling me. You don't have anything but bits here. You don't have any honest <laughs> any sentiments. So let's just move on. Um, uh, this isn't a conversation. This is one-sided. This is a monologue with Adrian making quips. So well, <laughs> well no, I, I do agree with you. I, just, I do find it ridiculous because, yeah, like what? Like killing people is somehow not as bad as smoking cigarettes on screen? You know, just, That's what I just said, yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't make much sense to me. It's, it's, a, it's a foolish, foolish thing. I think they should uh, not let Cobblepot kill anyone. And just make him smoke cigarettes instead and kill himself slowly but surely. Yeah, it's actually fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's murdering himself. He'll have less time to to murder people. Yeah. Which is a good thing. You know, he won't be as – maybe he might, might not make it past 70. He won't. 65. I don't know. How many cigarettes is he chain smoking there? I don't know. He's a classic, classic smoker. The long cigarette, just like Cruella. Mm. I kind of – it kind of makes more sense for Disney to do this, but – Warner Brothers is, I don't know, that's a little silly. Mm-hmm. But uh, I agree. I don't know, man. We got some show corrections from last week. Did you know that? <gasps> I did, Simon. We did. I did know s- show corrections. It's mainly clarifications, I would say, based mm-hmm. on looking at this list of two here. The first one is that we talked about Ozark last week. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how Ozark was uh, airing its, uh, its part two of season four, which is its final season. Mm-hmm. And they're airing them, I think we estimated in May, but I'm pretty sure I did not say, and I don't think you did either. I don't think you said that it was definitively in May. I think we just said it as like a, I think it was announced, I think it was in May. But it wasn't announced, it was just announced this past week. And the final episodes of Ozark, like the whole series, is airing on April 29th, 2022. Mm. 
So that's the official kind of news from Netflix. Okay. And the the thing I wanted to say about that in that I don't think we necessarily made a mistake, but I do think that's interesting in that there was speculation that because they were splitting the season into two parts, that maybe they were just doing that so they can get into the Emmys, into the running for the next Emmys, and both like two years of Emmys kind of thing, mm-hmm. that they could maybe get the buzz off the award shows twice. That was something I was just reading that people thought, that's weird that they're doing it so close together. But for me, this is what we've been talking about week on week in that these streaming services have to decide how to launch their shows. Mm-hmm. Netflix has traditionally launched, or most of their shows anyways, their original programming has been launched all at once since House of Cards season one. Mm-hmm. They've launched pretty much a full season all at once. Amazon, for a lot of shows, they kind of launch three episodes in a chunk and then re- release week on week. Mm-hmm. Shows like The Boys as an example. And they'll probably do that maybe even with Lord of the Rings when it comes out in September. Mm-hmm. And other streaming services like Disney Plus to just do week on week, like we're somehow living in an era in which you're recording and filming and producing these shows while you're airing them, like when MASH was on air mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, I don't really see the point of this, but it does generate hype, like Lost being on air and people talking about it during the week. Mm-hmm. And I can see the benefit for the marketing. This is like a really cool, happy medium, in my opinion. I know that Netflix is probably just experimenting with this in terms of Ozark, and they're doing this with Stranger Stranger Things Mm -hmm. for this upcoming spring and summer, which I'm very excited for as well. This is cool because they're experimenting with this idea of generate this a massive amount of hype for the final season, part one, because it released very recently in February, and then they are going to launch the part two, in April, and then that extra generated hype, like people will be excited because it's so close together. They wouldn't have forgotten the last season. They'll have been more excited for it. I don't know. What do you think? That's kind of my thought process. I think this is awesome. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's the smart move to like s- still stay relevant um, for a longer period of time because, again, I think you're, these other streaming services have – almost an upper hand because the conversation continues to grow. Like uh, you brought up Peacemaker last week, how like Peacemaker literally grew, what was it like 44% or something crazy like that from the first episode to the last, because it had these weeks of hype of people talking about it. And this way with Netflix, it's like, it's great because as a viewer, we still get to binge watch however many episodes, you know, six, eight, whatever episodes at once. And then get another big chunk of episodes just a you know a few months later. So again, it's a it's a great way for Netflix to keep the conversation going about their shows while still you know staying true to that original formula that they you know like made their service popular with. Um, because I yeah. think Netflix was the kind of the dawn of like people starting to binge watch stuff like crazy. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like this method. I, I think it's a great one. I, I don't want Netflix to switch to a week to week sort of release. And honestly, I don't think they ever will. It's possible, you know, mm, things know. change, but uh, I, I hope they don't. And uh, I don't know. I, again, uh, we've talked about it before. I really like how different streaming services are trying different things with these like tests, like even with Disney Plus. Yeah, they do the week to week for pretty much all their shows. But I think with Hawkeye, they, they released the first two episodes and then d- did week to week. So even Disney is to a certain extent experimenting, just not as much. Well, Disney started with The Mandalorian. They started with a weird schedule where they launched one on, I think, a Monday and then another on a Friday or something. Or it was like oh, Friday yeah. Monday. You remember that? Yeah. The first season of The Mandalorian. And that was really cool, actually. I like that idea. Two mm-hmm. episodes a week is pretty neat. Like, that could be cool. I just, 
again, I just, uh, there's so many shows, so many things to watch. I think I just, uh, again, I fall off a little bit with the week to week. I mm-hmm. forget certain aspects. It's just not enough buildup for me. I want to be able to choose a little bit more. We're in a time of on-demand on-demand footage, like on-demand shows. It would be very mm-hmm. a little bit better for me if they could, get, again, give us a bit more as we go. Like Arcane launches three episodes a week. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's again a Netflix experiment. That's why when I when you just said Netflix might not ever do week to week, I don't know that's true mm-hmm. because they kind of have been dabbling a little bit more so with the not releasing them all at once in a on like a on a semi consistent basis with some of their bigger properties they're releasing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, Adrian. What's the second uh, correction? I don't know if you want to take this one away. Yeah, so uh, Ken last week wrote in uh, talking about you know horror movies um, being nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Uh, in his letter, he wrote 18 horror movies. He actually messaged me directly and said uh, he mistyped that. It was actually eight horror movies that were ever nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Um, and then my mom actually added a little bit of extra clarification as well, which she texted to me and only one of those eight horror movies have ever actually won Best Picture at the Oscars, and that was Silence of the Lambs in uh, – I didn't write it down. I think it was 1991. Uh, Jodie Foster won Best Actress for a role in uh, that movie. Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor for his role in that movie. And then Jonathan Dem, I don't know if it's Demi or Dem, uh, won Best Director uh, for that movie as well. So um, – yeah, I guess just to piggyback off Ken's point um, from last week, yeah, definitely horror movies, I think, don't get as much love at the Oscars as, you know, other movies do. He, he pointed out a couple other genres too, um, like comedy and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that for our lovely Ken, who is a uh, member of our show, uh, contributes practically every single week. And uh, yeah, just wanted to clarify that for our lovely Kenneth. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent, Adrian. Mm-hmm. Yes, he told me that in person as well. The mm-hmm. eighteen, the the extra one in there mistake. He's like, "Oh man, I don't know where I." I he thought I added it to mm-hmm. the email. Actually, yeah. he's like, "I think he added a one." And then he looked at the email. He's like, "No, that was me." <laughs> but uh, nice try, Kenneth. Nice try. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days, man. It's neat. I don't know. Sounds of the Lambs. I don't think of it as a horror, but I guess it is a horror. Uh, it's I guess, a horror. I just. Yeah. Feel, it's spooky. Kind of thought of it more of as like a, a thriller kind of cop drama, but you know, anyway. It kind of is, but it's also very terrifying. Mm. It's definitely uncomfortable and eerie. That's a really good movie. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. Speaking of Kenneth, though, Adrian, speaking <gasps> of Kenneth. Yeah? Uh, let's reach into that mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us once again, and he said, Dudes, dude, with DC's version of the Ticks Die Fluttermouse, aka Batmule, about to hit theaters. I think he's talking about Batman. Batmanual? Batmanuel. Batmanuel. Batmanuel, sorry. The Ticks Did I say Manual? You said Batmule. <laughs> I heard Batmule. I say Batmule? Yeah, I think so. Shit. Damn. Oh, well. I butchered another one of Ken's jokes. <laughs> I gotcha, Ken. <laughs> no, I'm just joking, but no, I did do that. Batman well. Batman well. I don't know why he added the UEL, but regardless, he's a funny guy. <laughs> and uh, I'm not as funny. Anyways, about to hit theaters, I have a query. 
your opinion of Michael Keaton returning as the 1989 Batman for two or three movies. Is this Warner Brothers going the route of the Rise of Skywalker pandering and making up for disjointed continuity and bad reviews by obvious fan service? Keaton was an amazing Batman, but I question the motives behind using him beyond the Flash movie unless they are setting up a Batman Beyond movie. The Pattinson Batman has its own continuity to be shared in movies and streaming shows, but has nothing to do with other DC superheroes. The Affleck Batman joins Keaton in the Flash movie and then is apparently discontinued, leaving Keaton alone in the role. Aquaman 2 and Wonder Woman 3, in theory still in the same universe as Flash and still played by the same actors, are continuing. But rumors are, despite Henry Cavill wanting to continue, there will be a new Superman. Presuming the J.J. Abrams Superman to be a standalone, what will be their solution? Since Christopher Reeve is no longer around, will they get Brandon Routh to reprise his role as that Superman? Throw in Mark Hamill as the Joker, and we can have the Nostalgiaverse signed Kenneth. And a quote here, It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. A quote by Batman in Batman Begins, translated from Gravel. Wow. Okay. Actually, it wasn't. Because <laughs> I, just, I just gave you the Gravel. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Adrian... What do you make of Ken's email here? Is this just fan service? Mm. Is it Skywalker, the rise of Skywalker pandering that we've seen before from Disney? I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Like, I think this is a more of a wait and see it type thing. I don't think we can uh, really just say that it is that without, you know, getting that Flash movie to figure out what they're going to set up and how they're going to carry this universe forward. Is the DCEU disjointed and confusing? Oh, definitely. I think it's uh, it's very unclear what things are connected to what universes and, you know, how everything is connected, like even with Peacemaker to a certain extent and like the, that the Suicide Squad movie, it's presumably in the Snyderverse. But again, it's like, at what point is it? Is this after the Flash has possibly reset the universe or whatever? I, I don't think he's totally wrong about that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I don't really see an issue with, you know, them bringing in you know, like 1989 Batman with, with with Michael Keaton. I don't, I I like that as an idea. I think it's fun. And I think that's what these movies should be. Um, So I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. I think the whole, yeah, nostalgia verse thing. Um, I don't necessarily, sorry, my dog's just like running in the background there. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's like a huge issue as long as it's done well. And like I, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, um, this is very much so a wait and see style approach. Could it be a freaking train wreck? Oh, definitely. Am I hoping that it's not and that it's actually really well done? Yeah, obviously. Do I think it will be? Honestly, I I don't know. Probably not because there's no one really leading the whole charge and it seems, again, very disjointed and convoluted. But I really want it to be. I don't know. What do you think, man? Um, I really appreciate this email and that it, the way he is like invoking or, or kind of giving us these ideas. Like I, I, I like the way that that part of the email is kind of written there in that it's kind of thought provoking for sure. It is an interesting concept of link, linking the, the pandering nature of some of these, some of these films with this one uh, and wondering if we're worried about it. I wonder if Ken is just playing devil's advocate or if he's actually worried about this. Yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm kind of curious. I feel like we maybe we'll never know. Or we could just ask him in person. We could definitely do that. That's that's definitely an option. Work. Yeah. When we go see the Batman yeah. this week. Oh, fuck. Dude, I can't wait. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, I appreciate that. So thank you, Kenneth, Kenneth, for running into us. And what I would say, other than that, is uh, you know who did this first? And this has nothing to do with Rise of Skywalker, is Spider-Man No Way Home, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that Spider-Man No Way Home is bringing these villains um, and maybe other things. I feel like we're very vague. Many weeks after the Spider-Man No Way Home has come out, I feel like about if you what's happening in that movie, I feel like if you haven't watched the movie yet, you probably don't have an interest in watching that movie. Or yet. spoiled yeah. for you. It's possible. I don't know how you would have. I mean, dude, not seen the spoilers. It's not even that. It's like it's not even that fans are even spoiling it now. It's like just Marvel is like we have all these actors going on these like conferences, like press tours and stuff. Like it's out there. I feel like, yeah, I know, yeah. but that's how dedicated we are. That's how good we are as a podcast is we have never spoiled this movie any really any big major plot point that wasn't in the trailer mm-hmm. so far. And this is weeks, months now after the movie mm-hmm. is aired. So kudos to us. Am yeah. I right? Is your dog still tap dancing or is she taking tap dancing courses? Yeah, she's taking tap dancing courses right now. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I tried to reschedule. How is that? But how are those lessons going? Well or honestly, really well. Yeah, she's doing really good. Um my my step dancing in, instruct instructor, t- sorry, tap dancing <laughs> step dancing. Uh tap dancing instructor um says that she's excelling in the class, especially for her age of of merely uh, a year and eight months years old. Wow. Yeah. Do you join her in the class as well? Do you ta- do you step dance together? Yeah, I I, re- <laughs> I regularly do, but unfortunately I couldn't reschedule in time. Uh and you know, this is my top priority, man. Uh you know, recording with you. I only get to talk to you once a week cuz we don't talk outside this podcast. Are you saying they're step dancing right now together in the background? They they're are doing the lessons right now. They are. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh no, it's it's okay. I'm sorry they're interrupting us, man. I'm sorry they're interrupting us. And there's your clock. <laughs> Dude, just right on so time. So much freaking noise. I love that it's right on time. I was gonna point out here. It's yeah. I was gonna point out it's not right on time at all. Is that your joke? Yeah, it's it's We're eight recording minutes. this <laughs> ahead. It's, it goes off eight minutes ahead, <laughs> which is pointless when you have a like a, a chiming clock. Like what's happening here? It's a warning for me to that it's eight minutes to the hour. It's it's just a warning. You know, yes. Maybe I got an appointment at one. Okay, it's like, hey, you got eight minutes to make it to your appointment. It's like I live in Maryhill. There is nothing close to me within eight minutes, except for really good butter tarts. Mm, yeah, except for really good butter tarts, which I might add, and I, I I've held off for long enough. You know, <laughs> shut up <about> this. <laughs> but you specifically have offered me butter tarts on multiple occasions. You said you just you offer it. I never even ask. You just say, hey, Simon, I got these butter tarts no, for you. I'm going to bring them on over. And one of the times during Christmas holidays, during December, you're like, Simon, I'm going to bring you these butter tarts to bring to to, to your girlfriend's family, family's dinner. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice of you. Did I ever get those butter tarts? No, I didn't. So, so what you're saying here is a total lie because I've never talked to you outside this podcast. So you sent the messages through Jimmy and we know it. And you told my girlfriend that then if you want to, if you want to be so bold as to try and call me a liar. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, I like those butter tarts a lot. And you gave me a little taste, a little tasty poo when I was at your house one time Mm -hmm. and you never followed through after that. I brought you butter tarts before you son of a gun. Fine. You did it once. (laughs) You did it. You did it once many years ago. Yeah. But, uh, I'm just going to say. I'm just disappointed that you keep offering. If you didn't offer, I will freaking bring you some for the Batman. Okay, 
And you know what? If I don't, just bring it up next week that I did it. I'll fucking set right. a reminder. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up. I'm going to bring up the butter tarts every week until I get them. Okay? So, it's, I'm holding you ransom. No, I'm joking. That would be very rude. But I'm going to do that because it's kind of funny. Anyways, Adrian, we were talking about Batman and Kenneth's letter here. Yeah. I got really sidetracked after I said Spider-Man No Way Home. Where was I? Yes. Spider-Man No Way Home was the first one to kind of do this idea. The reason I bring that up is because it seems like a lot of other places are doing this, not just Michael Keaton mm-hmm. being in this new Batman thing. It's kind of like, the again, the prestige, the illusionist type scenario where same kind of movies or TV show ideas come out at the same time from different studios. For instance, there's that... <laughs> they're going strong with the tap dancing. I love it. Yeah, but uh, That's all right. But there's also the uh, that Facebook... A show that's coming out from Warner Brothers on HBO Max and from I think it's Showtime at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like they're almost coming out around. They're probably going to come out around probably the same six month period. So this happens quite a bit, and I think people, at least in this industry, like they're really looking at this and thinking, mm, "Spider Man No Way Home is very successful. What can we do here to do that same thing? We've got these vast catalogs where we can, you know." Super Mario Brothers, this shit. Mm-hmm. Or Super Mario Brothers Smash. You know, Super Smash Brothers. What are we talking about? Super Mario Brothers Smash, the hit porno. <laughs> Oops. I didn't mean that. Uh, I meant the Smash Brothers. I don't know what I was talking about. I corrected myself and it was still wrong. Anyways, Smash Brothers, the hit Nintendo game. Sorry to Ken for talking about video games. As always. And uh, yeah, my point is. Bringing all these characters, these these characters into one thing is super popular. For instance, even freaking Blue's Clues mm-hmm. is doing this, and so that's why I'm like pointing this out. Is I I wonder if this will ever end at this point. I think Marvel did it first, honestly, because they it's not just about Spider Man. Spider Man didn't start it with mm-hmm. No Way Home. It was in, of course, the first Avengers movie. Bringing these characters together is something that's just been beloved over the years. And now all of these studios are likely going to do something similar because of the popularity of it. Yeah. And bringing back Michael Keaton is just, to me, a brilliant move. If you do it well, like Spider-Man No Way Home was done well. And that's the key element here is I think that if you're not just pandering, if you're not just creating a Rise of Skywalker situation, I think that uh, – what's his name? The – is that your dog or is you breathing very hard? Yes, that was my dog. I was not panting that heavily whilst just sitting. Um, but what I was referencing here is uh, the It director. Uh, Andy Muschietti. Andy Muschietti. Yes. His, actually, his name is, on, is Andras Muschietti or on, Andre? Is he Hungarian? Andras? It's, I don't know, you tell me. A-N-D-R, uh, a little hyphen thingy over the es uh that that's that's like andres andre andres 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 andreas is it andreas i have no clue man anyways regardless i think he's italian isn't he cook of the meatball <laughs> whoa that's un- unnecessarily offensive adrian come on <laughs> anyways muschetti andy muschetti is doing that movie andy muschetti did a good job like a really good job More like andy game, i think spaghetti because <laughs> he's italian we don't even know if he's Italian. I just took a guess. We don't even know. Take it easy, bro. Come on. Uh, 
good stuff. Yes, incredible. Anyways, Andy Muschietti did a great job with It in It Part 2. I think you would agree, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those movies. And I think that he's going to do a good job here. That's my point. And so I don't think that this we have to worry about, especially because Christina, Christina Hodson is also writing this. Christina Hodson apparently did a good job. I didn't see it. I don't know if you did. I can't remember. But with that, uh, she did a really good job with that um, Bumblebee movie. And mm-hmm. she wrote Birds of Prey, which I thought was pretty great too. Yeah, I love Birds of Prey. So I imagine... Like with Batgirl, she's writing it too, which is coincidence. Coincidence, I think not, because she's writing it in Michael Keaton's in both. Mm-hmm. So I think Michael Michael Keaton at this point in his career, I think he just picks good scripts as well. I don't know. Michael Keaton hasn't made a lot of bad choices lately in terms of what he's in. He's not like a Nicolas Cage type actor, in mm-hmm. which it seems like Nicolas Cage will just take many roles, like many a variety of great and also awful roles, mm-hmm. but. Um, or, or maybe not, I shouldn't say awful roles, but I would say maybe he just thinks the roles are interesting. He's taking great and awful movie part, like movies, but he's doing a good job in them. I, I think that he does a pretty good job in most of the movies he's in, but he's just a bit exaggerated in some of them, I guess. Yeah. Nicholas Cage, I mean. Yeah. But yeah, that was a long conversation. It's a great conversation. Yeah. It's my favorite conversation I've had. The, oh, well. Yeah. Okay. All right, Adrian. Adrian, I got to ask you, buddy. What did you watch this week? Oh, Simon Dennis Eady. I have watched a few things, actually. Okay. All right. Are you ready for them? Yes, a few. So three. I only wrote down two of them. I only wrote down two. Oh. But there's actually a third. Oh, it's a secret. He didn't write it down. It's a secret. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it brief on two of these three things. Because uh, one of these we actually watched together, believe it or not. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But uh, I watched. Are you ready for it? Actually, I watched four things this week. Oh, my God. Just get on with it. I watched the Netflix original 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, Simon Dennis Eady. Mm. And uh, that's a uh, that's a comedy, right? It is indeed a comedy because it's laughably bad. Oh, is it? But yeah, it's really bad. This is a shit movie. I do not recommend this to anyone. This is the definition of a mindless, um, over-the-top, gory slasher movie with little to no substance, with very uninteresting uh, two-dimensional characters that I couldn't care any less about. Mm. Um, it's mm. it's a it's not a good movie. Uh, now... Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not a franchise I'm familiar with. And this is technically, I guess, a sequel to the original like 1979 movie or whatever, whenever that movie came out, uh, which I don't think I ever watched. But honestly, I don't think you have to watch that because this uh, has not much to do with it. And they kind of fill you in on what you need to know from that original movie. But honestly, this movie is just total garbage. The writing is awful. The acting is whatever at best um again all the characters in the in this movie um are are very unlikable and not even that they're just like unlikable you know people because i think i mean some of them are but you're not giving me anything to like about these uh, characters in this movie there's no substance to any of them and the texas chainsaw massacre the 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 you know the guy he just like murders all like the vast majority of the characters that are introduced in this movie. And honestly, I was just sitting there and being like, I couldn't care again, less of the, for, for these characters, them getting killed off. I was like, honestly, I'm kind of rooting for the Texas chainsaw massacre. Cause they're what? In, <laughs> because 
Because, <laughs> yeah, he's a crazy maniac killing people and cutting their faces off. But honestly. But he smokes. But he smokes. And so you got to root cool, for that guy. Which is cool, dude. Which he's is super, super cool. Because he's just super cool. Uh, man, smoking's so cool, man. Uh, oh, but, uh, and, yeah, like, he just goes around and just, like, bat, like just murders these fucking people. Like, like, totally brutally. And the gore is just very over the top. And usually I'm like, man, sometimes I just want to watch a fun, over-the-top, violent movie. But even this, even this, I was just like, I just, I just don't even like this enough. Um, the gore, again, is, like, very over-the-top and ridiculous. And it's incredibly bloody. But it just didn't have enough substance to keep me interested. I feel like this movie is kind of like how you felt about Godzilla uh, versus Kong, where I was like, eh, I can get over it. I, you know, the action's like whatever. And like I wanted there to be more action uh, action, and the, the substance of the movie, although little, was was enough to keep my attention. This Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie doesn't have enough t- substance to keep any like my attention. I kept on looking away. Now, I will say one positive thing about this. There is this uh, crazy scene that takes place on a bus um, where I guess this is a mild spoiler, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre goes on the bus and just fucking cuts these people up into like a billion pieces. And it's like, it's ridiculous. And I was like, that was the one, you know, minute and a half scene where I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. But the rest, again, I couldn't care less. There's, you know, a couple twists in it, but I was just like, who cares? Who the fuck cares? And let me tell you something, I don't. And I, this is a movie I genuinely do not recommend. <laughs> anyone watch i'm even in the mood wow. for these like ridiculous like slasher like over the top i know you know violent movies these days that's why it's so shocking but um it is just not worth your time in any hmm. in any conceivable aspect. it's an hour and 20 minutes and it still felt too long so um yeah i uh i do not recommend this fucking movie <laughs> um so yeah that's uh that's one uh of the things i watched what did you watch simon excellent so I watched what we watched together in theaters at the Waterloo Princess Twin the- uh, Cinemas, and it's Ooh. a more of an independent movie, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's a Japanese film called Drive My Car. Yes. Adrian. And I'd like to throw it to you first. Okay. And ask you what you thought of it, because we did see it in the same theater at the same time without talking mm-hmm. to each other during or after the movie. Yeah, never have, never will outside. Because we don't talk outside this podcast. Yeah, never have, never will. I, I said that line too early. Yes, you sure did. Anyways, this uh, is directed before you talk about what you thought of it. Uh, it's directed by uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Pretty good ring to that name, actually. But anyways, regardless, yeah. what did you think? What did you think of the movie? It was a long movie, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a three-hour long movie, um, or just under three hours. Um, and honestly, I really really like this movie i i I would go as far as to say i loved this movie and the more i've been thinking about this movie the more i like it okay i think this movie is a deeply um sad movie it's i feel like tonally just very melancholy all throughout it um it's a story about i i want to like i would say like grief loss love um and the movie itself, I don't think much really happens throughout it. It's a, I would say it's almost like a slice of life movie following this, you know, mid forties man, um, and kind of dealing with his relationship with his wife, um, you know, dealing with a loss that happened, um, in his past as well as, um, like a loss that occurs during the movie. Um, and, you know, 
you know, like him kind of like building a relationship with like a, a young a young woman that um, ends up being his driver uh, because he's like a uh, like a, I guess a, like a playwright. Like he 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 works in theater and and has like written a play. Um, and you he know didn't he write any of the plays. Just to be clear, those plays were not more. written by him. Oh. No, they're written by. Well, the play he's presenting for a lot of it is by Chekhov. Oh, okay. It's like a famous playwright. Just to just to correct you there. Sorry. Okay, no worries. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like uh, he's he's like the stage manager, basically. He's the director, mm-hmm. I guess you would say for for a theater play. Yeah, and um, you know, it's just like him, I guess. Yeah, like building this relationship with this you know young woman uh, that's like in her I don't know like early twenties or something like that um, over time. But it's like a very it's a very slow movie and it's a very i think deliberate movie the 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 vision of of the director is very clear i think he wanted i don't know we we've brought this up a a few times before like with promising young woman um how it's it's the director's vision through and through without any sort of corners cut or any sort of um you know um changes made due to any sort of studio meddling it's their vision brought to life on screen and i think uh, what the director did here is is exactly that, and it's a a movie that again I the more I thought about it the the sadder I got, um, and it made me feel very very sad like after the movie. And honestly, I I didn't I teared up during the movie, but I when I like got home that night and started thinking about the movie, I actually ended up crying a bit because it just oh, wow. it really hit me like close to not really close to home, but it just, it hit me um, it, right in the feels. And it was, I think just brilliantly done. And there's like, I don't even know what, like eight different languages spoken in the movie or, or I guess signed in the movie. They, they talk in like some characters talk in English, some characters talk in Mandarin, some characters talk in Korean, yeah. Japanese, there is Korean sign language in the movie. And again, these scenes where characters are talking with one another that don't even speak the same language. And there's someone translating it in between it's slow and it's purposeful and you're watching these characters interact with one another in these long winded conversations where, you know, one person says something in, in Japanese and the other person translates it to Korean. And then the other character responds in Korean sign language. And then that, you know, translator responds uh, or translates it back to Japanese. And it's like this slow conversation, but the entire time I'm just enthralled at what's going on and the conversation these characters are having and how, real and believable each of these characters are and it's a very emotional thrill like a, a very emotional like sorry a very emotional drive sorry ri- oh my god <laughs> a very emotional ride um i guess pun intended there um and again i i truly truly adored this movie um what did you think yeah this was well well said uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. I think it's a masterclass in subtleties, kind of what I, I got from it, is that it's a very subtle movie. And at one point, one character says to another character that they're basically talking about how um, this guy directs his plays. And he's saying he's basically saying that he he looks in these nuanced, tiny things. It's all about the little things, the little details in the characters that he puts into the plays that he's directing. And uh, I think that that's kind of how this movie is directed in a weird way. Like it's it's interesting in the way it's subtle and it doesn't really hold your hand really at all for a lot of it. It's actually in some way a criticism of it if you think about the fact that we live in like the TikTok generation and that I feel like people have very small attention spans. Mm-hmm. And so 
listening or watching this movie in the beginning, it's kind of hard to understand the characters' motivations, some of the characters, until you get another hour into the movie, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm, It's an interesting thing because there's like little – you're unlocking these tiny little aspects of these these very human people. Like very – obviously, they're human people. Sounds like I'm an alien. (laughs) Very human characters. And that's the that's the beauty of it. I think it's just the the beauty in the small things, and that the you got to wait and see is kind of a lot of what I believe this movie is. It is very long again, and it's very deliberate, as you pointed out. And I think you you said to the attendant at the theater at Princess Twin on the way out, is he mm-hmm. said it could have been another forty minutes less, and you're like, I don't know. It was deliberate. I think is what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which. Uh, like I've said about like um, I think was a promising young woman and various other movies that the, the director knew where he was going with it and I think that that you gotta you gotta trust him I guess mm-hmm. I don't have a much perspective on this particular director this is the only movie that I think both of us have seen by him definitely um, by uh, Ryosuke um, Hamaguchi mm-hmm. but yeah it's the only thing we've seen by him so like to trust him going into it I was a little unsure in the first hour I was like am I not gonna like this because I don't know where it's going and some of these characters motivations are completely unclear and if they mm-hmm. don't explain it by the end or do something to give it a bit more context I'm not really it's almost substanceless and mm-hmm. uh, that that's just not true you just wait yeah. and see and by the end of the movie I feel like it really it delivers um so I again really like it. It's a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. It's very well made, and uh, the use of languages, as you pointed out, is is a huge highlight. Like I don't think I've ever seen a movie quite like that in this regard. And that again, mm-hmm. there's so many different languages, and it's just uh, I guess so well accepted by all the characters, and they're just so welcoming. And just, I don't know, it's just such a diverse first idea of having Korean, Chinese, and Korean sign language all in one movie and kind of seamlessly integrated, which I really appreciate. And um, and the use of these plays as well in English too. There's English too in some parts of it too in this film. But these plays are by ones by Samuel Beckett, which I studied in school a little bit. It was uh, Waiting for Godot, uh, and then that was the first play you see. And then you see it's a lot of it's like focused on uh, Uncle Vanya is the name mm-hmm. of the play, which is an Anton Chekhov play, which is kind of famous. And it's, it's, there's a lot of focus on this play and the way that it's it's done. I, I just. Yeah, it's just, man, it's just a lot of really cool things. Mm-hmm. It, it brings out the theater kid in me a little bit too and seeing that this is kind of about theater production in some capacity. At least that's it's set in a theater production, mm-hmm. which I appreciate too. So yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a good one. Mm-hmm. It was a good one. I loved it. And uh, I'll also point out on the way out, the attendant at the theater who was uh, you know, selling tickets, et cetera. It's a re- relatively small theater in, in, uh, in Waterloo. He said also twice, and uh, I thought it was interesting. It's gonna win. It's probably gonna win best foreign picture. It's like yeah, it's because it's <laughs> literally nominated for best picture, Thank and it's you. the only movie that is nominated for both best foreign picture yeah. and best picture. It's like Parasite. Like <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but I just I didn't, and we didn't say that. But I was yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> obviously. Obviously, you idiot. No, we know no. the industry. You're just pretending no. to know shit. No. Well, I'm sure he does, and I'm sure Shut he sees up. all the movies. But <laughs> at the same time, right, Parasite is it's, it's not very common for a best like a foreign picture to get nominated for mm-hmm. best best picture. film of the yeah. year for best picture for for the year at the Oscars. And so, in this case, 
it was nominated for Best Picture and Best Foreign Picture. So it seems like it's obvious, considering it's the only foreign picture nominated for Best Picture, that it would win. If it didn't win, it would be kind of shocking. It but it could honestly win Best Picture. I don't know mm-hmm. if this is the your top film for that for 2021 at this point now, considering, again, of course, it's nominated for Best Picture. So will it win, in your opinion, based on what you've seen so far? You've seen mm-hmm. about half, I think, or maybe just above half. Yeah. I don't know. I... I don't, I don't know for sure. I would like it like to win. I like the idea of, you know, more foreign films and not like your typical, like sort of Hollywood American movies winning all the time. Um, and I think like with Parasite winning, uh, that, that was my choice for that year. And uh, I, I was, I was very ecstatic when that movie won just cause it's cool to see, you know, these like different countries coming into the, 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 the film industry and actually, you know, leaving a mark. So I, I would love it uh, for it to win. Um, and out of the ones I saw, I think it's the most unique. And yeah, I don't know. I would like it to win. I, I, th- I if, if it was my choice out of the ones I watched, I think I would choose it personally. Okay. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. We got a bit of a ways to go. I think we've got, you might have five movies. And I have four or something like that to watch before the Oscars air and at the end of March. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good stuff. Anything else you watched this week? Um, I watched a couple more things. I'll keep it super brief on these two other uh, movies I watched. I watched uh, on the topic of driving cars unhinged, which is that Russell Crowe movie where um, he goes on like a murderous rampage, like just road rage rampage. Okay, Um, Yeah. Was it good? It's fine. Uh, It's okay. It's a pretty like mindless, just ridiculous, like over the top Russell Crowe killing a bunch of people because he's angry. Um, and it, you cool. know, it's fun enough. If you want to waste like an hour and a half, you got nothing better to do and you're just in the mood for something like that. Yeah, sure. Put it on. It's definitely better than Texas Chainsaw Massacre by like a, by, by, by a huge margin. Um, and then the other movie I watched is actually the 1984 classic John Hughes movie, 16 Candles. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And I watched that last night, um, for the first time and it's a really good movie. Uh, there's a couple of like problematic things. That's, uh, and I was like watching, I was like, ah, this is a, this is a little rapey. Um, and <laughs> yeah. this is a little bit racist, um, in particular to like Asian culture. Um, uh, but all in all, like, you know, if you, if you kind of get past that, you know, like it came out over like nearly 40 years ago now, um, it's, it is a really good movie and it's, you know, heartfelt and it's funny. Like it's really funny actually. Um, and if you like Ferris Bueller's day off, which I do, and you know, the breakfast club, uh, both John Hughes movies, um, and you haven't seen 16 Candles, I, I definitely recommend it. I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. What about you, man? You watch anything else? I did watch something else. And I uh, I must say, I think this is like the best thing I saw this week. I know I just talked very highly of Drive My Car, but Severance oh, on Apple the... TV+. Plus. Damn. I thought you were going to wait. I don't know why. Did I say I was going to wait? I can't remember. Uh, I think Jimmy told me that you were going to wait. Oh, separate. Yeah, not not on this podcast, but I said outside. Mm-hmm. I told Jimmy, and then he told you. Maybe, exactly. maybe that happened. But um, I don't know. There was a little bit of an opening. We were wondering what to watch, me and my girlfriend, and we thought let's watch Severance because it's like at the top of Apple TV Plus. It's incredibly well reviewed. It's like ninety seven percent or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes. Damn. And honestly, man, the first episode is just amazing. It's, I, I think it's one of the best first episodes of a show I've ever seen. Ooh. I have to say. It is incredibly good. I, I am so impressed. The production values, the hair and makeup, the 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 wardrobe, the um, the acting from like 
the, the numerous like huge actors arguably uh in it like you got adam scott patricia arquette uh Tramel tillman who i haven't seen him much but he's just amazing in this so far anyway zach cherry uh, uh brought lauer uh john turturro you got uh obviously christopher walken closet or just the actor but the um no it's it's really good the music is so good too oh it's like this retro futuristic uh, office, and it's just so well designed in every aspect. And uh, for those who don't know what it's about, it's basically uh, if you watch the trailer, it's about this idea of the work life balance. And these people get like this surgery done where when they go to work, they only know the memories from work. And when they leave work, they only know the memories from home. So it's like they, they have this like work life balance that's kind of perfect theoretically based on the this principle and that you leave work and you do not remember anything at work. So you cannot do anything at work because you don't remember anything at all. Which I ma- imagine for a corporation might be kind of useful if they're trying to hide something maybe. And that's what you kind of get that impression from the trailer. Uh, and the question is, what is it that they're doing? Why is this a thing? Or are they just doing this altruistically? Is this just a business that uh, you know wants to make the perfect blend of work-life balance that we've all been looking for? It's just the style, though, is just amazing. And this in- the intro sequence, I forgot about this. The introductory title sequence is the maybe the best introductory title sequence I've ever seen in a show ever. Oh, damn. That's, <laughs> it's that's unbelievable. Price, man, damn, dude. It's just so good. I can't, I can't even believe it. It blows me away. It's a show show run by Dan Erickson, and he writes a lot of the show. And then it's uh, directed, I think, fully by uh, Ben Stiller. Oh, that's um, sweet. And so, yeah, I just uh, I'm just looking up right now just to give credit where credits due because the music is just so good too. I'm not gonna say it's the best music I've ever heard in a show. That's not what I'm gonna go it's with. It's the it's <laughs> it's possibly the best music you've ever heard. In a show. I I cannot think of a title sequence that is more creative and more interesting though it, it yeah. only airs in the first second episode the first episode doesn't have the title sequence oh okay which is something they do in tv series quite often i find um if you know what i mean the pilot doesn't always have that kind of like the the intro uh, sequence there i think because they, they want to get right into it to just show you what this is all about so you mm-hmm. want to you can be interested I'm just looking this up real slowly, real slowly, Adrian. Theodore Shapiro is the composer. Related to Theodore Shapiro. Hit political dude Ben Shapiro? I doubt it. Shapiro is a pretty common last name. It is. Yeah. Anyways, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And Adrian, I just recommend you to watch this. That's all I'm going to say. I, I can't stress enough. I want everyone to watch this. I, I did. I, I know I keep bringing up my theater background in, in from university, but I, I was uh, I did a theater play in terms of I, I was doing the sound and actually I, I, I think I just did the media for this particular one. But I did a lot of the media, and it was this concept, this retro futuristic office. Um, it's like an it was like an office drama that was written by someone else and not somebody at the my university. But um, the play was called The Memo, basically, and we did that. We put on that play, and we I had to do the media, and I did a lot of this kind of re- retro futuristic concepts. I had like old monitors that I displayed, like uh, the blinking green line for like a kind of like that DOS interface type thing. Mm-hmm. And I did. I think you might have saw that. Did, did you come to see that play? I um, I don't believe. So. Oh yeah, I, I did. I, I did. You were there. I did. Anyways, I, that yeah. that was a lot of fun for me to put on, and I put on like a, I did like the, 
uh, kind of created like a test pattern that you would find on like, you know, you'd have potentially color bars when your TV goes out, but there's also the concept of the test pattern for that. It's a classic thing from like the 1950s and 1960s. Mm-hmm. And I created that as well. This show just reminds me, it's just bringing back all these memories of creating that kind of those, that video for that play. And I just, I'm just so, I don't know, maybe that, maybe that's why I like it too, so much too is nostalgic for me personally, but mm-hmm. I just like the idea of retro futurism. It's a neat idea. It's like in fallout as an example. And I think if they do the fallout TV series, the fallout TV series, which is an adaptation of the game series by Bethesda, Amazon's making that show. If they do that appropriately, I feel like if they do it properly, Jonathan Nolan, and Lisa Joy do, I think they're going to be really leaning into the retrofuturism of the 1950s type aspect where some things in terms of technology went kind of a lot further ahead than others in in that the year of that game I think is like far into the future I think with you have like this older technology that everyone's running but it seems to be newer in that like the Pip-Boy on their wrist as an example people coming out of the 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 fallout vaults because there's a nuclear holocaust and now it's safe to go outside when they come out they have this crazy technology where they have this almost this giant smartwatch where they can go through all of these different weird settings i think that that if they do that kind of technology and that stuff justice and nail the music of that series i feel like i'm going to like that fallout series i think that that's mm. the angle that they have to go down i think that's the most interesting thing about fallout the game and uh and Severance really just hits the nail on the head for the retro futurism. Just, um, man, it's shot so well. There's like, it's edited so well. The music's so good. Anyways, I digress. Talked enough about this. Will you watch this, Adrian? Will you watch this? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I only watched two episodes. There's a third episode that just aired last week as well. Mm. And um, yeah, again, can't say enough good things. It's good to hear. So we move on to the news, Adrian. Nah. Oh, that's too bad. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused news stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, as Publication Variety reports, the telecast for the upcoming Academy Awards ceremony will no longer feature live footage of eight of the less popular, in quotations less popular, Oscar categories. In other words, the more artisan-based awards for makeup and hairstyling, editing, sound, production design, documentary short, live action short, and animated short will all be recorded prior to the live telecast and spliced into the awards show in order to save for time. For context, the Oscars ceremonies have been known to run relatively long, clocking in over three hours in many instances. Considering how these specific categories are believed to be relatively underappreciated, this change has caused many in the film industry to speak out in disapproval. Variety sources claim that there are many on the music composition side of the industry that are thinking about asking the nominees for best score to boycott the event altogether. Many are concerned that since these awards will be given out prior to the proper ceremony, that they will be leaked out before the official telecast even begins. The Oscars are set to air on March 27th with actors Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, and Regina Hall hired on as hosts for the event. Adrian, what do you make of this? I think this is really stupid and not cool for the Academy to be doing this. It just goes to show that I don't know. I think the Oscars are, are should be about celebrating, you know, movies and stuff. And we, we've talked about the Oscars quite a bit, uh, you know, bringing up like the whole like fan vote thing that they're doing, which is like dumb as fuck as well. But this is just kind of I feel like this is disrespectful. Like it's it's showing that, you know, some categories at the Oscars are more important than others that, you know, like the idea of like hair and makeup not being a part of the main show is 
is just outlandish when, you know, some of these like movies, you know, are based on that sort of stuff. I don't know. I think about, um, uh, what's that Guillermo del Toro movie? Um, with the fish. Oh, Nightmare Alley? And, oh, uh, oh um, Shape of Water. Yeah, Shape of Water. Um, like that movie, like how amazing the makeup was in that movie and the hairstyling was in that movie and how it's set kind of like a, a a really awesome tone for the movie. Like without that there, I don't think the quality of the movie would be as high as it is. Same with sound editing and stuff like that. I just find it absolutely unbelievable that they're going down this route and i think it's a dumb decision who's just give just a tad bit of context there too sound editing and sound mixing were already pushed into one category yeah which was kind of controversial at the time i think it was two years ago Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of annoying as well and that sound editing and sound mixing are different like one is again a lot of foley work and the other one is the like kind of the edit of how it's put together and so yeah it's it's uh, yeah, it's, it's disrespectful, man. And again, like the the idea of like sound editing, like, like think of it like a movie like Dunkirk and how important the audio is in that movie. Like the sound yeah. editing is in that movie. Those loud gunshot noises, you know, that like literally sends shivers up your spine. It's, it's, I don't know. I really hate this decision. I, I don't understand what the Academy is doing. I feel like they're just stepping like, like on their toes constantly they're moving in the wrong direction and it's just like a bunch of these like old people that just don't understand what people want and they're just making wrong decision after wrong decision and it's hard to kind of be excited for the oscars i like the oscars i like watching it i know it's you know just like this dumb awards show you know it's not like it doesn't really fully encapsulate the, the 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 movie industry but it is still something i enjoy watching and it's making it harder and harder for me to even care about this shit anymore i don't know what do you think just to rebuttal what you just said because i maybe misunderstood what you said in the beginning based on what you just said but you said that it's a bunch of old people i don't know that that's true there's a bunch of business people now doing this decision oh yeah good it's a bunch of old people not voting for and not caring about the fact that some blockbusters like uh spider-man no way home are vital to the industry and are very popular, but also very well written and very well reviewed and very well received by audiences. Mm-hmm. So they're literally 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. So professional moviegoers who have been doing this their whole lives and claim that this is an incredible production for Spider-Man No Way Home, it just doesn't get the credit that it, de- it deserves. And that's a bunch of, I think, old timers, like yeah. old the old guard for the Academy of Arts and Science, uh, Sciences in terms of who's voting. Um, they're voting for it and they don't see the value in the other options, but they're really giving the art house films or more artsy films to be specific, a little bit more credit and not giving any or very little credit to some of these blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Like people might say, well, Black, uh, Black Panther got nominated a number of years ago. Yeah, it was a number of years ago. Okay, let's just uh, like yeah. the, the closest to, to a blockbuster that was nominated this year was Dune. And mm-hmm. Dune's amazing. But it's like you can see why it would be nominated potentially and that it it carries a different kind of weight. It's a very slow and deliberate movie and it's not as action heavy. And that's not necessarily a bad thing being action heavy, but they're not necessarily treating it that way. If they're this category thing though, this is a business decision. I think they're just trying to shorten the Oscars because they think that they need to do that. They need to make it more popular. But that's what's so ironic because of the fact that they refuse to nominate any movies that people actually watch. So there's a there's a certain irony here. You're cutting out these 
categories, which by the way, I love, I love every one of these categories. I don't watch the shorts very often, Mm -hmm. clarity, but especially when it comes to editing and sound, I'm always interested in that makeup and hairstyling. I'm I'm sure Ken would be very annoyed about that because I know that he really likes the makeup and hairstyling. He's a makeup artist himself. Um, Ken is set up obviously being the guy who writes into us every week we just talked about. Uh, And then like even, um, like, oh, did I forget it? Oh, I forgot. I forgot a category for this. <laughs> this right up. Score. I didn't write score in there. I'm like looking through the thing. Score is taking out, taken out, right? Am I adding this right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, okay. I missed the score. Musical Man. score was taken out of uh, out of it too. And score, honestly, is vital. There's like literally you would not have a movie without a score. You wouldn't have a movie with any of these, honestly. You would not have a movie with any of these. But if I was to say out of all these categories, um, in terms of the ones that make up a movie, where it would be score, makeup and hairstyling, editing, sound, production, design, the score is like, imagine a movie without music at all. It's just so stupid. Like, And I'm always into that every year. I always follow that. And I talk too much about the amazing scores that come out of these films, like Dune with Hans Zimmer's score or Nicholas Bertel's score in Don't Look Up, which is just amazing. And so- mm-hmm. I think this is really stupid and I can see why that some of the, you know, individuals in the industry on the the music side might be outraged and might potentially boycott this and maybe the nominees might not show up. I don't think that will end up happening to be honest. I think that's kind of all talk maybe, Mm. but um, they are airing it to be clear. They are airing these categories. They're just not putting them in. They're they're treating them as if they are lesser and that's the issue. It's not the fact that they – we know they're airing them, but it's like why are they really lesser though? There's other ways to cut this down potentially. Like for instance, you maybe don't need the category um, – what was that called again? The most popular film of the year, 2021. Uh, you can just take that whole thing out that we talked about last week or the week before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're adding that in. You're adding a feature thing in where people vote on Twitter for the most popular film and then it will be featured – as an award that you don't win an Oscar for on the award show. So that's being added into the three hour plus ceremony, but you can't put in the categories that make up a film that you couldn't survive without. You can't survive without a sound editing, video editing. Anyways, it's annoying. Very much so. Very much so. So it is what it is, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> ironic. I think the, the most useful word in this situation is it's ironic. You want mm-hmm. this to be popular. As Seth Rogen said, why, why should anybody care about this award show for like for our industry? Like when you have a sales, like the best salespeople in the country, you don't televise that. Why are we televising this? Who cares about this? And the reason people would care is because they are watching like their popular movies potentially win or the movies they really like potentially win. And they're not really even putting those in in any large fashion. No man. Keep saying No Man's Sky instead of No Way Home. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home. It was nominated for one award, right? Right? Just visual effects? I think so. so. Yeah, that seems right. What about costumes? Like, isn't that weird? Yeah. How did that not get nominated for best costume design? <laughs> That's They're not CG. I, I, I don't know. The number of costumes in that movie. Am I wrong? Maybe it was nominated for best, best costume design. I don't know. Is it? Is costumes? Is that even a category? I think was that taken out too and put into production design? Yeah, it's it's uh, nominated at costume designers 
and the Guild Award for Excellence in Fantasy Film, Costume Designers Guild Award. So it was nominated there, but for the Academy Awards, yeah, it was only nominated for Best Visual Effects. And for the record, Spider-Man No Way Home was just not nominated for Best Costume Design. There is a category for Best Costume Design still. So just to, to clear that up, that's definitely still a category. Um, and just Spider-Man's not a part of it as, as with the rest of the awards other than visual effects. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Best Costume Design is a part of the regular live show. It isn't being spliced in, which is interesting that they'd made a distinction between production design, which takes a tremendous amount of effort and costume design or hairstyle and makeup is not a part of the live show, but costume design is, I don't understand, but anyway, whatever. It's just annoying. So can't do anything about that. I don't like it. Yeah. Number two is Canadian tech website, mobile syrup reports. Netflix's Marvel TV series is will be coming to Disney Plus Canada on March 16th, 2022. To specify, Marvel's Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, The Punisher, and The Defenders TV series will each appear on the Canadian version of Disney Plus on March 16th, with no current plans to launch these shows on Disney Plus in any other region. As publicly displayed on Netflix, after February 28th, 2022, these series will be removed from Netflix due to the impending expiration of Netflix's contract with Disney and Marvel. Due to Disney's decision in the United States to air certain more mature Marvel content like the Patton Oswalt starring MODOK animated TV series on Disney's own Hulu streaming service, there is much speculation suggesting that the gritty, more violent Netflix-produced TV shows would come to Hulu instead of the U.S.'s standard version of Disney+. Plus. In contrast, up in Canada, Hulu's more mature content offerings have often been categorized within the Disney Plus subheading Star with no extra app necessary. Adrian, what do you make of this? What do you make of this? I think, uh, yeah, I just wanted to add this into like our story just for a little bit more clarification because we've been talking about this and kind of curious as to where these shows would land when in brought over. Um, uh, or like after leaving Netflix and both you and I assume that they'd go to Disney plus, but it seems as though it's not going on like the subheading of star and it's actually going on Disney plus proper. Am I right in that assumption? I don't know about that. I don't think they wrote that in the mobile syrup article. Don't know. Good question. Yeah. Cause I feel like they would clarify cause I mean, uh, would they? I don't know, like, because with only murders in the building as an example, and um, or and and in Pam and Tommy, like, don't they say that it's didn't specify? They don't. In some in some ads, it didn't. That was what's so weird. Mm. I think I talked about this many weeks ago, but Pam and Tommy is about obviously Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's sex tape, mm-hmm. and that is kind of controversial to be on Disney Plus because it's like Disney mm-hmm. who won't. Have Cruella, Cruella Deville smoke a cigarette yeah. on screen, um, and so to have it on Disney Plus, it's a little strange. Obviously, it's on the star like star part of Disney Plus, but at the same time, when you look at the ad, there was an ad on Facebook that that hit uh, my Facebook uh, page, and it said that Pam and Tommy come into Disney Plus, and there was barely any mention of Star at all. I think it might have been in the description, but not in the actual video. Mm. And people in the comments were like, oh, wow, how Disney has fallen. I'm canceling my subscription, one user said. Oh, I'm never going back to Disney Plus again. I was like, oh, my God, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, shut up. Just to be clear, just to be clear for those out there who are doubting the this whole thing, maybe thinking, why are they doing that? That seems stupid. You can literally – and when they added Star, they added this feature. You can literally go in 
and change it so that 18 plus content doesn't show up if on certain accounts. So if you're, mm-hmm. your child has an account, you can turn various content off. They added that in on purpose right when they launched Star, like the Star update, I believe it was. I remember getting that notification. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. When you create a profile now, you can specific, specify that you can't go if you're a kid, you don't want them going, you're a kid. If you have a kid, you don't want them necessarily going on to star content because a lot of it is mature. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they've specified that. I think Deadpool 2 is on there too. Probably don't want your kid watching that necessarily. Or you do. Who knows? Anyway, that's it. That's a, it's, a weird, it's a weird situation. I'm excited for this because I literally just finished season two of Daredevil and mm-hmm. I realized I'm not going to be able to finish like it was about four days ago. That's why we watched Severance, by the way. Oh. Uh, oh, four days ago, we're like, uh, I guess we're not going to be able to finish Daredevil season three because it's, I don't know if you remember this, Adrian, but it's like 13, 12 episodes Daredevil is. Yeah. Uh, wasn't, I thought the last season was 10. No, maybe no, you're right. Maybe you're right. I think Defenders was 10, yeah. It's crazy though, eh? But even like, you, th- I, I thought it was eight. I forgot. I was like, mm-hmm. what? This is not ending. And then I, I was like, oh, it's not ending. Oh, it's ending at 10. And then 10 comes. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't the finale. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how many this is this is going. Yeah. And then it's like 13. I was like, okay, crazy. That's a lot of quality for like a long run. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I'm really impressed. Season two is by far the worst one though. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There's a lot of like slow, really weird slow motion scenes where there's like, there's one moment where like um, Karen Page, there's like a kissing scene. I don't know if you remember this, but they like slow motion it and like there's like water dripping down her her arm. And it's like so ridiculous. It's like a five minute scene of like just about to kiss. I was like, what is happening here? Like, why are you taking this long? There's a couple of moments in the season that I'm like, where are you going with this direction? I'm not quite sure. And I don't remember watching it and thinking this was silly. Mm-hmm. But I also watched it back to back with season one. So I wonder if that's maybe why I was picking up on that. But uh, that's really what I wanted, why I wanted to watch it again, because I get to watch it all together and kind of see the differences between the seasons because the showrunner changed three times. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so now at least now I can start with my girlfriend on March 16th. We can start watching season three. Which she likes the show now, so that's great. But that's we nice. can't. We couldn't finish it in time because we we don't watch more than one episode a, a day. And so we're like, like five days ago, we're like, oh yeah, we can't finish this unless we start like really binging this hard. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm glad. I'm glad. But it begs the question: What is Disney waiting for to make an announcement about where this is going in the United States? Mm-hmm. And my answer is that I think what they're waiting for is Moon Knight. I really do. I think that it changes the, the landscape of what Disney Plus is. We talked about last week how, or the week before, how Kevin Foggy was claiming this is a brutal show, Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. The violence is brutal. It's, it's going to change the landscape of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to be in some aspect. He says that a lot, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think that that's an interesting sentiment for Moon Knight in that he is brutal and that there's a like a piece of um, promotional artwork of Moon Knight with a bloody fist. And I think that that's kind of neat because they don't show a lot of blood. So if they are going more brutal, maybe they are finally introducing something more mature as a Disney Plus series, and then they can just launch Daredevil and the the, the rest of the Defenders on Disney Plus proper in the US. Mm. Or do you think it'll go to Hulu? What do you think? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I think... I don't know. The more I think about this, the more I'm almost 
because uh, I, I was very much like, oh, yeah, this is going to be like a star thing. They're going to put it on star or whatever or put it on Hulu. Um, but the more we get close to Moon Knight and the more like Kevin Feige has been talking about Moon Knight, I'm I hope I can eat my humble pie and I hope that it's going to be on Disney Plus proper and that we are going to see this more mature content on there. I would love that. I know it would change the game. I almost think that Disney should just give up with Hulu in a way. It's confusing I that d- that's still even a thing. It's a separate app. Yeah. Like there, there is no, from my understand, I looked it up again because I was just curious, like, did they change that? I'm pretty sure it's still, you have to get a separate app to use Hulu, to watch Hulu content. And I imagine that that would pull, pull your audience a little bit. Like, do you, I don't know. Do you really want to do that? Don't you want to just create this juggernaut service, charge a little more in the States? Cause I think we're even paying almost more now than in the US if you convert the dollar. We might be just because they've got the two separate lines, the mature line on Hulu, less mature on Disney plus. So I do wonder, like, shouldn't you just merge them and just charge a bit more and then you can just, just mass your subscribers in one bucket? But mm-hmm. I, I think you'd be more popular because people would be like, look at this juggernaut. Disney Plus is just this massive thing that really competes with Netflix because it kind of does that here in, in Canada a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like we've got a crazy amount of content and even with like Pam and Tommy being a pretty high quality show and other shows coming out to Disney Plus directly for us, I feel like there's a lot to love about disney plus because we have the hulu content or not all of it but a lot of it on on disney plus anyways yeah yeah number three as variety reports the godfather director francis ford coppola is finally looking to make his long planned big budget megapolis film megapolis is a movie that coppola wrote in the 1980s but had trouble getting made over the years due to its very high projected budget of 120 million dollars coppola told gq magazine that it was unlikely that he would get funding even now in 2022 and therefore he was looking to fund the film himself using his vast line of credit without a producing partner like netflix to back him the movie's plot has been mostly kept a secret over the years with the story described as quote something of a love story that is a philosophical investigation of the nature of man unquote set in a utopian version of new york city called new rome the card counter actor oscar isaac don't Look Up actor Kate Blanchett and a rival actor Forrest Whitaker are said to be in talks to star in the new project. Mm-hmm. Adrian, hmm. what do you think of this? I think this is like super neat, actually. I love the idea of this, you know, world-renowned filmmaker that has made, you know, some of the the best movies ever made, arguably. I'm, I'm sure people would argue that with the Godfather movies and stuff like that. Um you know, going out and being like, hey, no one's going to want to make this movie, so I want to make this. It's essentially his magnum opus, and he's, you know, using his own money to create this thing. And I think you just kind of have to respect something like that. I I think this is really, really neat. And although we don't know much about this movie, um, other than, you know, what you stated earlier, it's still something that I'm very intrigued about, and I'm curious you know, how he's going to do this. Uh, Friends Ford Coppola, he, he also like recently, you know, talked smack about Marvel as, as, as many directors do. And, you know, even, even went on to say like movies like Dune and um, I, f- I forget what the other like example was are like all, you know, the same sort of movies regardless. So if he's kind of going on that, then, then this movie must be something totally different and unique. And I, I'm curious where he's going to kind of, go with this what do you think man yeah it's it's interesting it's expensive curious what it's gonna be Mm -hmm. he hasn't had the greatest like 
critical track record lately. He has made some absolute amazing movies, though, obviously. Yeah. Like The Godfather and Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now is notoriously went crazy over budget, though. It like almost doubled its budget, but it was at the time like $31 million US, like in, in US dollars. Mm-hmm. So it, like it was very controversial at the time. And they made a movie called Heart of Darkness that's very well regarded. And that's actually, I don't think, if I recall, I've only watched Heart of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse. I haven't actually seen Apocalypse Now. So oh. I've seen the movie about the movie, but I haven't seen the movie itself. That's fine. Which I feel like I got a large gist about what the movie was. I, I saw all of its problems basically in like in, in, in the in that movie, but which is a very very good documentary. Very interesting what they had to go through <laughs> to get that movie made. But I think he owns that movie. I think he owns Apocalypse Now because no producer would like no producing production company would actually fund him, even though he had won multiple Oscars. They would not give him the money because they were uh, they just thought it was not going to do well or they just thought that it wasn't wasn't going to be successful or it was going to be mm-hmm. too expensive and so he, he brought that up actually in this kind of this interview uh, where he talked about the fact that he's going to fund this uh, on his own when he talked to gq about that so i think that that's kind of interesting mm-hmm. he's willing to take some risks to to get his dreams made which is cool um i don't know how many movies he's going to be directing like going forward he's kind of taken a bit of a break lately so it's it's neat um, I don't know. It's it's a cool it's a cool story. I, I'm interested to see. And if he gets this cast together, like Oscar Isaac, Forrest Whitaker, and Kate Blanchett is a pretty awesome combination. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, cool. yeah. He's he's kind of a like he's a he's an interesting guy because like I I mean he served as um like he was like a mentor to like George Lucas back in the day as well, right? And you know although you know Francis Ford Coppola is like a very renowned director. Like, I don't think he's ever created anything as big as something, you know, like George Lucas created. You know what I mean? He's not a blockbuster filmmaker, though, really. Ex- yeah, exactly. And I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like, I mean, The Godfather is got, like argued to be like The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two are argued to be like the best movies of all time, though. Yeah, I know. Whereas Star Wars is not really regarded that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, I'm more so referring to like popularity um, because – you know, it's it's interesting, and like I I know like he uh, Francis Ford Coppola kind of like talked about like George Lucas as well, and how um, he was almost like saddened about how how well you know Star Wars did because George Lucas was just unable to make any other movie, you know, after that like he couldn't make the movies that he wanted to make um, that you know I guess he talked to Francis Ford Coppola about so. It's kind of an interesting thing uh, with that. And yeah, I don't know. I, I hope he gets uh, to make this, you know, huge movie and 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 gets to like create this like his magnum opus or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm sold on this. I don't know. I, I'm, I wonder how this is going to go. I wonder if he will actually make it and what will kind of occur. Yeah, it's neat. It's cool, Adrian. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one. As reported by Variety, Network NBC has renewed the James Spader starring crime drama The Blacklist for its 10th season. (gasps) Number two, according to Deadline, Krypton actor Aaron Pierre has been cast alongside Mahershala Ali and Delroy Lindo for Marvel's upcoming Blade movie. Blade. Ooh, interesting. Number three, 
as followed by The Hollywood Reporter, White Lotus actor Fred Heisinger has been cast in Sony's upcoming Craven the Hunter Spider-Verse movie, and he's rumored to be playing the comic book character Chameleon. Oh, okay, cool. Neato. Number four, as Variety reports, director Sean Penn is currently on the ground with a production crew filming a documentary about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, that shit's wild. Uh, not to get, yeah, too into it, but... Jesus Christ, this is fucking nuts. Number five, as Deadline reports, Forrest Gump director Robert Zemeckis, screenwriter Eric Roth, and star Tom Hicks are reuniting for a film adaptation of the graphic novel Here. Hmm, I've never heard of Here. Number six, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Master of None creator Aziz Ansari will be making his directorial debut with a film adaptation of the Atul Gawande novel, Being Mortal, Medicine, and What Matters in the End, which is set to star... Bill Murray. This just reminded me I never finished season three of Master of None. <laughs> so many shows. Yeah. Number seven. As Deadline reports, Stars has just greenlit an Outlander prequel TV series that is set to be written and executive produced by original Outlander showrunner Michael B. Roberts. Oh, okay. I never watched Outlander. Number eight. According to Deadline, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood director Quentin Tarantino is in talks to direct episodes of Network FX's Justified Revival. Justified City Primeval, starring actor Timothy Oliphant as Marshall Raylan Givens. Oh, that's really cool that Quentin Tarantino's coming to the t- the small screen doing some directing on TV. Neato. Maybe. Maybe not. Wow. Number nine. As Variety reports, director Steven Spielberg is developing a new film to adapt actor Steve McQueen's San Francisco detective character, Frank Bullitt, from the 1968 film, Bullet. Oh, okay. Steve McQueen, um, brother to Lightning McQueen from Pixar's Cars. Nope. Number 10. As reported by Variety, Tenet actor Kenneth Branagh and the Dark Knight actor David Dasmolchen have both been cast in director Christopher Nolan's star-studded World War II Oppenheimer-centered film. The cast of this movie just keeps on getting more and more unbelievable. Like, God amazing. And that concludes the montage. Bah, 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 nukes. Oh, boy. Adrienne, what do you got for me now? Oh, Simon, I got new releases for you. Oh, yeah. Okay, what are they? It's for the week of February 28th to March the 6th. That's a Monday to a Sunday, as per usual. And the first movie is coming out on Monday, February 28th. It's called My Wonderful Life. This is a Netflix original Polish... Polish... Polish. I just, yeah. I had a brain fart there. You did that before. Yeah, I know. I don't know what happened. My brain just melted for a brief moment. A Polish rom-com about an unhappily married woman who tries to keep her family together after being blackmailed anonymously about her affair. Damn. Yeah. You know what I just realized that I didn't bring up about driving my car? What? What? They smoke cigarettes in that movie and it's fucking cool. <laughs> they do. Maybe that's why I was thinking that because the last movie we saw before Drive My Car was West Side Story. So that's mm-hmm. maybe why I thought they did that in West Side Story. But I don't yeah. think they did smoke cigarettes now that I think of it. Yeah. Because they keep on smoking cigarettes and Drive My Car. I'm like, this, they're just, they look so cool. They're just like standing outside, you know, like pass a cigarette to one another, they light it. And I'm like, man, these characters are cool as fuck. Smoking is cool. Like at this point, it's almost not a bit, I feel like you do think it's cool. And I think that's why Disney and Warner Brothers want it not to be on screen. So I guess they're right based on your (laughs) reaction. Mm, I don't know. I don't really think it's that cool, but I think it gives context to certain characters. And that's why I think it's silly to remove it, Mm -hmm. to be serious 
when you're just seemingly either joking or not. This is like, again, I've talked about this before, but you constantly say, I'm so swole, dude. I'm so swole as an ironic thing. I haven't said that for years. No, you did recently, actually. When? I don't remember. Coming out of a theater recently. I can't remember when it was. Either it was, wasn't West Side Story, I don't think. I do remember very, it was not long ago. It was at least like within a month, I feel like is when you said it last. So I don't think so because I I didn't really go to the gym this past month. I started going back to the gym again. Isn't that the issue? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So I'm just saying, you say it enough. It's that's not it's not ironic anymore. You just believe it, is yeah. all my point is. It's, so that's all I'm trying to say, Adrian. Well, What's the I, next movie coming I'm out? I'm serious about it. I think smoking is cool. And the next movie that's coming out is coming out on Tuesday, March 1st. It's called After the Pandemic, Simon. We're still in it. Like our pandemic, but this is a different pandemic. And this is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie. And it takes place five years after a virus wipes out over 90% of the population. And then something even more dangerous emerges, Simon. That's the kind of movie I want to see. Yeah, me too. It's just what I need. Speaking of things that 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 you know ravage the earth, the next movie that's coming out is a movie called The Pink Cloud. And this is also confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie about a pink and toxic cloud that covers the globe, forcing everyone – uh, to lock down inside, including this woman with a man she just met. Oh, wow. It's like these two movies that are coming out. They're dealing with the pandemic in different ways. Maybe that's the thing that's emerging. That's the dangerous thing that emerges after the pandemic. The the pink cloud? Yeah. It's possible. It's connected. It's all connected. Everything's connected. Uh, I wonder if the, the, the cloud would be like combustible. Like if you li- like lighted a lighter outside, would the just gl- entire globe explode? That'd be cool. That, that's how the movie ends. Mm, yeah, so cool. So cool. Because someone goes out smoking a cigarette, which is super cool. Yeah. Lights it up. They just lit up a cigarette, lights it up. Boom! Everyone dies. Boom! So crazy. So cool. So cool. They're very cool. Wow. Incredible. What's the next movie coming out? It's coming out on Wednesday, March 2nd, Simon. It's Against the Ice. This is a Netflix original movie based on a true story about Denmark's 1909 polar expedition. This stars Jamie Lannister, Nikolaj... Custer Waldo? Yeah, him. Mm. Next up is a movie called The Pirates, The Last Royal Treasure. This is a Netflix original Korean pirate movie, Simon. Okay. It's a pirate movie. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Next up is uh, is the is Thursday, March 3rd, and there's a movie coming out called Surviving Paradise, a family tale. It's a Netflix yes. original nature documentary narrated oh. by Bridgerton's own Reggie Jean Page. Cool. Super cool. I love nature. Cool. Do you love nature? Pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Nature is pretty good. The weekend. Hopefully of- it lasts. Hmm? Hopefully it lasts. The nature. That'd be cool. Yeah. I hope it, I hope it doesn't not wow. last. Double negatives. That's the point of- Why? Why are you doing double negatives? Just because I want you to remember your, what you learned in math class in elementary school. The weekend away is up next. Huh? This is a Netflix original uh, movie about a little trip to Croatia that goes horribly wrong when a woman's best friend disappears. Simon, Croatia's your motherland. Yes. No, not really, but sure. That's where your family's from. Half of my family, yeah. That's true. That's where half your family's from. That doesn't make it my motherland, though. I was born here. It's your mo- it's half your motherland. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Crazy. Next up is Friday, March 4th, and the list of movies that are coming out on that day is, uh, is one, one of them is called Meskina, 
which is a Netflix original Dutch rom-com, Simon. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. Then there's The Invisible Thread, which is a Netflix original uh, Italian comedy, which is, wow, like good stuff there. Now, this next movie coming out, this one actually really interests me. It's a movie called Fresh. All right, Simon, you ready? It's Fresh. Yeah. It's a movie insider. It's confirmed a movie insider in the trailer. This is coming to Hulu. And I wrote star question mark in brackets. I imagine it will be coming to star for us. But this movie stars Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan. And honestly, the trailer looks very interesting. I don't really know mm. exactly what, to, what it's about. The trailer doesn't reveal much. But this looks like a really cool movie. It's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, funnily enough. Um, and, you know, it's about uh, this, like, woman that, I guess, meets Sebastian Stan. It's like this, this, like, very quick, like, love. But is Sebastian Stan's character all that he seems, question mark? It's kind of how it mm. is. But it looks really good. This is a movie I really want to watch, actually. Um, next up is a movie called Lucy and Desi. This is confirmed by Movie Insider in the trailer. And it's coming out to Amazon Prime Video. And it's a documentary about Lucille Ball. Um, and her relationship with Desi Arnaz, they're probably best known for their, um, well, uh, you know, role in I Love Lucy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought you were making a joke. Nope. Nope. That was just an actual fact. Okay. Yeah. You're going to say they're probably best known from the hit movie Being the Ricardo. So that's, that's where you're going to go. But you said, I love Lucy. And it's yeah. like, yes, that's a fact. And then you paused for like 20 seconds. Just continue. What's the next movie coming out? The Changed. It's confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple huh? TV app. It's a video on demand movie. The Changed, Simon. I was, I was just tricking you. I just wanted to make sure you were paying attention. And this is about aliens taking over the minds of people. Yeah. Mm. Next up mm. is a movie called Night Ride, and it's confirmed by Movie Insider in the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand one shot action thrill ride about a drug dealer doing one last job to get out of the business forever. Crazy. Yeah. I'm interested. I like like the idea of like a one shot movie. Mm. One shot action thrill ride. Is it good? I don't know. Yes. I don't know. I definitely don't. I've never watched it. Will you watch this movie? Me? Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah, fair enough. Ella and the Little Sorcerer is coming out. This is confirmed by Cineplex. This is coming to theaters, and all I can say is the Batman is so fucked going up against this movie. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why? Yeah, not a chance. And again, last uh, but certainly least, the Batman's coming out to theaters. And again, going up against Ella and the Little Sorcerer. Pfft. What is that? It's going to be a total flop. Ella and the Little Sorcerer? Yeah. It's about a um, a girl named Ella and and uh, a little sorcerer. You have no idea what it's about. No, it's a kids movie. I don't look into it. Hmm. So it has nothing to do with the Batman, and likely the, not the same demographic at all. So what you were saying as well. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I was saying. Hmm. Okay, well that's useful. Thank you for that. Thank you for that comment, Adrian. Is that the end of the movies coming out this week? That's it. That's all, baby. That's it. That's all. Excellent. Well, now let's reach back into that mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners, of course, as we mentioned at the top of our show. To write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Cabin Snass wrote into us with a relationship question posed by comedian Roy Wood Jr. I believe it was on Twitter. Or it might have been on Instagram. Now I'm not really recognizing this post I copied and pasted, but regardless, it was on in some kind of spot. So that was it's it's on Instagram where the screenshots from, but it's a screenshot of a tweet. That was posted oh. on Instagram. Well, excellent. Anyways, I'm going to read it now. Are you ready, Adrian? Yes. Excellent. He said, quote, 
Relationship question. If you lost your spouse in the Thanos snap, but five years later, the Avengers brought them back, but you already remarried with three kids and spent the life insurance on a failed food truck. Do you get back with your old spouse or stay with your new Thanos snap family? Signed, Kevin Snass. Mm-hmm. Adrian, what do you make of this? What would you do? Which family would you pick? I think this is a very easy one, Simon. Hmm. You would obviously stay with the person that you're with, that you you know made three kids with, and uh, you know did a, a failed food truck. And the reason behind that is five years to not only meet someone, but then be confident that you want to marry them, and then you know ejaculate inside of them on Yikes. three separate occasions to make three children over the course of only we- five years. You know what I mean? Hold it's- up. It could have been triplets. Like, we don't know. what the, That's not that long if you think about it. Maybe it's triplets. Oh, now you're putting a little spin on it. Now you're putting a little what spin on it. What if you didn't think it. about it? What if you ejaculated inside of them? Why do you use that language? You might have had – you gave them the babies. You might have gave them the babies earlier than they got married. Hmm? Maybe it's a year in. You're into the – you're like you're waiting. The person's gone. You think they're gone forever. You give them the babies and then you marry them. So you're saying those children are bastards. Yeah, sure. That happens all the time now. That's not really that big of a thing. They're bastards. Is that what you think? Are you, are you that old-fashioned? You're still living in the well, past? I mean, by definition, they are bastards, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Whatever you want. But uh, so what if that happened? You know what I'm saying? There's lots of combinations here. He didn't specify the the timeline, mm-hmm. as it were. I don't know. How long was so, I with my uh, other spouse? You know, Why didn't I have kids with my other spouse? If I was very happy with them, hmm. you know, maybe I had doubts with my other spouse and I was like, no, nah, I don't want this. And then I meet this new, new person after my spouse gets snapped. And I'm like, man, this new person is amazing. I want to have children with this person. I want to spend my, the life insurance of my old, of my old spouse on a, on a food truck that's, that, that is going to fail because there's 50% less market to sell to. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting one, but again, I think it's an easy one. You, you stay with the new one. You know what's crazy? They can make a whole drama about this if they wanted to. They could. Like regular people just dealing with the 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 re-snapping. You know what I'm saying? The unsnapping, as they call it. I think yeah. they called it unsnapping. Is that what it, is that what it's called? I don't remember. Is that what they say? That seems right. Is that what the kids are saying? Okay. Anyways, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think I, I would choose your 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 method as well. I think you're right. I was trying to play devil's advocate, but I don't think. It was five years, which is arguably a pretty long time. And you didn't mm-hmm. think that that person was ever going to come back again. So I feel like there's a lot of really broken hearts from the people who came back from the unsnapping. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've seen enough of the the heartbreak that might have happened. Because um, for those people who came back, they basically weren't gone at all. Yeah. Which, by the way, just to go back to Severance just briefly, I know I talked a lot about it earlier. But honestly, that's one of the craziest mechanics that they go into and they really – dive into the details of how the how the severance kind of works and uh it reminds me of this a little bit and that time time is such a weird concept for these people dealing with the the operation for severance um at their workplace so man what a good show but yeah i would choose you're right i i would say that the only logical answer is the second one because you just got to move on Mm -hmm. and they the person who comes back unfortunately has to has to be okay with it although it'll be a shock because imagine no time has passed and suddenly you get back and like maybe you'd snap back into the house that you're literally – you were living in that your old spouse is now living in with three kids. Mm-hmm. Imagine that happened. He's like, what's that, sta- what's that damn food truck doing in the backyard? And then you look around and there's children. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. That's already a problem. Like, yeah, that's a that's a mess. That's a big mess. Ugh. Imagine having three kids. That would suck. Oh, well, that's a different thing that we're not talking about here. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think the second one is the unfortunate answer. Mm-hmm. I think you'd have to... I don't know. I'd be very, very uh, like taken aback. I'd be very upset about it. I feel like it also question about what stage of the relationship you were in for this spouse. Like, are you deep, were you deeply in love? Were you heartbroken for years? Well, probably not because you made three kids. Well, maybe at the last year, maybe it was the, maybe it was the last year. Maybe you got married at the last second. Maybe you just had a quick wedding because it's life is kind of weird. I'm sure mm. in this five year period, you know what I mean? Like people think maybe this could happen again. Maybe there'll be another snap. They don't know what's going to happen. 50% of the population of the universe of earth, especially uh, as the focus is gone. Not just your, you know, spouse is gone. Like a lot of people are gone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like the, I imagine it would have been like the apocalypse. It would be kind of cool to see like a TV series. Actually, forget about after the, uh, the, like the unsnapping, maybe just during. It's just like, mm-hmm. what are people dealing with? Like, you can go real dark, make it like a rated R type star Hulu TV series for Marvel that's like dealing with the darkness of what people are going through. Maybe weird cults come up, you know? People yeah, wear. You're just describing the leftovers. People wear white gowns. Ah, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> got to it too way too quickly yes obviously the leftovers what a good show the leftovers is anyways adrian i love that show yeah. thank you cabin snaths for writing into us we appreciate it thank you kenneth saddlebar for writing into us with that insightful little email there asking us a whole bunch of questions that we could try to dive into yeah thank you to my mom for uh texting me about those uh clarifications as well about silence of the lambs yeah yeah thank you uh thank you marta pinter Appreciated, much appreciated, Adrian. The Batman is really soon. Like we are, we are going to the Batman within only a few days. Really, yeah, baby. Not, it's less than a week. It's crazy. I'm stoked, dude. Yeah, like I hope it's not bad. (laughs) Yeah, imagine like it's just it's total garbage. I don't know. I'm confident with Matt Reeves. It's just that it would be like a Suicide Squad situation, though, in that the the trailers were so good, Mm -hmm. like. There's some of the better trailers of 2021, mm-hmm. but that doesn't always line up, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see. But if it's bad, think about the other, all the other shows that are coming out that, like, that are spinoffs of this movie series. Yeah. Think about the other two movies that Robert Pattinson's going to be in. And uh, oh, yeah, it, I forgot about this. Kenneth Saddleborough also said to us in his email, he's like, uh, and this is the last Batflick movie, like Ben Affleck Batman movie that he's going to be in is the the Flash movie, not not the Batman, but the the mm. the, the Flash movie by Andy Muschietti. And my answer to that is, is it though? <laughs> because he said that three times. Mm-hmm. He came back for Justice League, the Zack Snyder's Justice League, which he was not going to be in, and he did reshoots. Mm-hmm. He was done. He said he was done. He was done. And then he is going to be in the end. He's a Muschietti Flash movie, and he's saying he's that's it. That's the last one. Mm-hmm. Is it, though? Might be, but probably not. Depends where the universe goes. Again, there's a lot up in the air. I'm more saying, like, as a kind of more of a joke, but I think probably is, but maybe not. That's mm-hmm. what I'm kind of thinking, because he keeps saying that so often. I feel like if a script is good enough that tries to draw him back in, I'd imagine it would be pretty enticing for him to join, unless in the Flash movie... He dies. Gasp. It's possible. They have room, you know, room on this uh, particular multiverse universe for the two of us, you know, type mm-hmm. scenario. So maybe one Batman must die. There can only be one. It should have been a Scottish accent, but 
There can only be one. That's terrible. Why can't I do Scottish? Yes, there can only be one. <laughs> That's kind of close. We ended the last show with that, so I'm going to not do that. But why can't I do a Scottish accent? Why can't I do a Scottish accent? There can only be one. There it is. Right there. Okay, Adrian, we're going to close out the show now. This is the end of our regular scheduled programming. Are you ready? Haggis. Haggis. All righty. Thank you for listening for the 87th episode. Did I say for the? Never mind. Thank you for listening to the 87th episode of Sweat Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eddy, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Hey guys, it's me, Adrian Pinter, signing off. And I uh, just want to let you know you can find us on all streaming services uh, for podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. Um, just like you can find uh, Batman v Superman is a good movie on a non-podcast streaming service but on another streaming service or on video on demand i don't know um same with uh resident evil welcome to raccoon city it was a good movie welcome to raccoon town whatever it was called good movie um anyways uh like subscribe share with your friends family on this podcast services we're done baby that's it that's all goodbye goodbye Yes, we're all done, Simon. I'm bringing it back. It's me, Bane. Anyway, cigarettes are cool.